0: Coming up on this week's show, Richard Compson-Sater talks about moustaches, nicknames, and the privileges of rank. Plus, we'll unveil a new giveaway for Valentine's Day. Welcome to the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, the show for readers and writers of gay romance fiction. If you can read it, write it, watch it, or listen to it, these two guys are going to talk about it.
1: Now, here are your hosts, Jeff Adams and Will Knauss. Welcome to episode number 66 of Jeff and Will's Big Gay Fiction Podcast. I'm Jeff from jeffadamswrites.com. And I'm Will from willknauss.com.
0: Welcome, sir, to yet another fine, informative episode of the
1: podcast. Why, thank you. (laughs) Well, you're welcome. (laughs) We're silly today, by the way, Uh, just in case you were curious. First week of the new year is gone. Woohoo! Yeah,
0: nah. Meh.
1: Mm. yeah. It's still gone. Yes, it is. Yeah. Uh, I've managed to live up to this year's goal of writing every day. How so? Well, we're eight days into the year. Well, yes, we as, are. As we record on January 8th. Mm. And uh, I've done about an average of 1,800 words per day. Which has racked up another 14,000 words uh, for Codename Winger Book 2. Which I'm very happy about.
0: Well, yay for that project. That's good yeah, to hear.
1: It's the way that, if I can keep moving, and of course I'm in L.A. next week, so that could slow me down a little bit, especially with the travel days. Maybe. We'll see. Uh, it should be done within the next two weeks, the first draft. So, kind of excited about that. I've actually started plotting the short story that I need to write for the charity anthology.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, in the afternoons, while well, I'm not writing Winger, because Winger gets written in the morning, so I've been potting in the afternoons, so I can just kind of dive into that first draft while when Winger kind of marinate a little bit <laughs> before I start its editing process. You've been busy little bee. Yes, that's the goal for the years, to be a busy bee. <laughs> uh, Love's Opening Night also finished up its blog tour. It had its last stop yesterday on Saturday the 7th over at Joyfully Jay. Thanks, Jay, for hosting me. And thanks to everybody else who hosted me, too. I uh, was on... Seven or eight blogs, I think it was. Uh, gave away some copies, and so far the the reaction to the book has been has been good. I've been happy. So thanks everybody who's read it. Thanks everybody who's taking ch- time to leave a review on Amazon or Goodreads or somewhere else. Uh, it's been a really good uh, release so far. Cool. Very glad to hear it. Yes. C- Congrats, sir. <laughs> Hopefully, it's the first of many good things for the year. Indeed. Yes. Indeed. So as we talked about last week, uh, we've been working with Patreon as a way for our listeners to help support production of the show.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Now, your pledges help offset the cost of producing the show each month,
0: and for fans who pledge at the silver and gold levels, you'll have the exclusive opportunity
1: to ask questions of our upcoming guests. Yes, that's very true. We've already had a couple people jump on that to... to, uh, Ask Jordan L. Hawk some questions, because I actually get to interview her this coming week for an episode you'll hear later this month. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to give a thank you to our new patrons, a very big thank you to Amy, Anne, Eileen, Ellen, and Laura. We thank you very much for joining us to help support the podcast. Yes,
0: we're very grateful and uh, glad that you can join us uh, in supporting the podcast and making sure it remains free and available for...
1: Many, many years to
0: come. Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: And we should note that for any month we hit our extended pledge goal, uh, we will do a special bonus episode for all of our patrons. Mm-hmm. And we are just under halfway towards that goal to the first bonus episode.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: We don't know exactly what we're going to
0: do for this super <laughs> special awesome bonus episode, but... um. Uh, we got a few, well, we got till the end of the month, if it happens. If it happens. We'll, we'll figure it out. Yeah. We're good at, you know, well, we're sort of good at we'll, figuring We'll stuff. sort it out and make it,
1: a, make it good and bonusy. It'll be so, so
0: awesome. You can't stand it.
1: <laughs> so if you want to know how to become a patron or get more information on our Patreon, uh, you can go to patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Big Gay Fiction Podcast for more details. There may be a chill in the air, but romance is always in bloom. Announcing the Big Gay Fiction Podcast Valentine's Day Gay Romance Paperback Giveaway. We're giving you a chance to win a prize package filled with enchanting contemporary gay romances. And who knows, you may discover your next book boyfriend. The prize pack includes an autographed paperback of Home the Hard Way by Z.A. Maxfield, an autographed copy of Unbreak My Heart by Kaylee Klein, plus paperbacks of Eyes Only for You by Andrew Gray, and Unstable Stud by Ariel Tokno. To enter,
0: go to the show notes page for this episode at biggayfictionpodcast.com or visit the official giveaway page at biggayfictionpodcast.com slash valentine.
1: Remember, you can't win if you don't enter. So visit biggayfictionpodcast.com slash valentine before the Rafflecopter ends on February 5th. Now, it's worth
0: noting that one of the books in this uh, giveaway that we're running right now uh, is by Zam, Z.A. Maxfield, and we have it on very good authority. In fact, we heard it from Zam herself that Home the Hard Way is uh, her favorite book. Of all the books that she's written, Home the Hard Way is her favorite. Um, So, if you would like your chance to win this particular author's favorite book... Autographed, no less. Oh, yeah, totally. It's like... um, That's extra super awesome. That's right. (laughs) Uh, Be sure to go to the link in the show notes or to the very special giveaway page, uh, biggayfictionpodcast.com slash valentine. Yeah. So,
1: speaking of valentines and love, we went on a date. Yesterday afternoon. Yes, we did. We finally got to see La La Land Mm -hmm. up here in our tiny little... Neck of the Woods of Northern California It only just showed up yesterday. Yes. Well, Friday, but yeah. Uh, I loved it. It kind of met and I think exceeded every expectation I had for it. Now, before you go on being effusive about the film... And gushy? It, it, yes. Please explain to our listeners what the heck La La Land is. So, for those of you who don't know, La La Land is, stars Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone. Okay, that's just stop. That's all they need to know. Well, yeah, probably, right? <laughs> <laughs> um... And it is what I would consider to be basically a love letter to old school Hollywood musicals and love stories. Um, These two meet uh, by accident on a freeway initially and then run into each other again uh, in a jazz club as Ryan Gosling is being fired. And from there, it's a little, you know, I hate you kind of back and forth that grows into a... uh, see if I can You're going to correct me I know when, when I'm done Going through this Maybe I will Maybe um, I won't Let's see How good you do evolves over time Into You know Investing Checking out each other's uh, Career goals She wants to be an actress He wants to own a jazz club uh, And it progresses In a very lovely way From there She learns to like jazz you know, actual jazz, not Kitty G jazz, as she likes to (laughs) call it at one point. Uh, He uh, comes to understand her desire to be an actress and the kind of actress and uh, screenwriter she wants to be. And it goes over the course of just over a year. It starts in winter and ends in winter. Mm -hmm. And then has a five-year jump at the end to kind of see where everything's sorted out. And there's a lot of music in it. There's a lot of... It's it's very old Hollywood musical in that they just break out and sing. There's the singing doesn't necessarily connect to the plot in any way. Well, it, I mean, it does move the plot, but it's not because it's you know I'm 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 now losing it here. Yeah, you're going off into the weeds. What, what the <laughs> the point is? It's
0: sort of a I thought it was a, a very simple, uh, straightforward a love story, no frills. It's the the love story sort of reminded me of um what's the Ethan Hawk Julie Delphi um, Oh so the sunrise movies? The sunrise, sunset. Yeah, after after sunrise, after no wait, before Sunrise. Before Sunrise. After sun oh I don't know.
1: You That the, trilogy. You know what I'm talking the about. The Richard Linkletter Yes. Uh Ethan yes. Hawke Julie Delphi movies. Yes. Yeah. I thought the love story reminded me of those sort mm, of like yeah.
0: postmodern indie Indie kind of Mm -hmm. uh, takes on love while at the same time exploring their relationship in uh, all of its Technicolor musical glory. Mm -hmm. Um, The songs are by uh,
1: Pasic and Paul. Well, the lyrics are Pasic and Paul who are represented on Broadway right now by Dear Evan Hansen and also wrote uh, Dogfight a few years back off-Broadway which we really enjoyed. That's a terrific show. Yes. Uh, So it's possible they're going to be up for Oscars and Tonys this year. They should be. Yeah. Um, and the, the music is very lush. The dance sequences, which are choreographed by Mandy Moore, who's a favorite from So You Think You Could Dance, uh, are just gorgeous. And some of them, none of them take place in a reality that we actually live in, but the one that I liked the best, I thought, was uh, the one in the Griffith Park Observatory, mm-hmm. where they just kind of went off and danced in the stars, because that was just really gorgeous. hmm yeah. Uh, the movie has certainly drawn, it's kind of a love and hate club, uh, without going into spoilers, the, the ending is bothering people, uh, to a large degree. We like the ending. Yes. Yeah. Uh,
0: I like the ending a lot. I think it is perfectly appropriate and, uh, it
1: wraps up the story of these two characters perfectly. hmm But in fact, using the analogy of the of the sunrise sunset movies that you just did, you could also see potentially where they could do a five year or ten year jump and see mm-hmm. and, and have some kind of sequel with it. Yeah. 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 yeah, I really enjoyed it. So yeah, thumbs up from the both of us. We really, really liked it. Yeah. Word is there's an IMAX release coming I saw on their on the on the movie's official page and I think It would be very cool to see that kind of film in IMAX, where usually you're only seeing... That would be interesting. ...the big shoot 'em ups and, you know, Mm. like Star Wars and Avengers and that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, if anybody out there happens to catch the IMAX release, we'd love to hear what that's like. Mm, Cool. Meanwhile, I just look forward to the (laughs) (laughs) Blu-ray. Yes. Yes, that'll be nice. So, we got a comic book this week, too.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Mm-hmm. Just...
0: I believe last week DC Comics released their anthology Love is Love. This is the uh, charity anthology that they did to help the uh, survivors of the Orlando Pulse shooting. Um, This is a remarkable, wonderful book. It constitutes uh, um, many, many different artists and writers from uh, all different corners of the uh, creative community, not just, you know, comic books. And each of them is basically given a page or two, uh, and they can tell whatever story they want in connection to um, the uh, pulse shooting itself. Um, The book itself seems to be sort of loosely, um, what's, what's the word, collected into... Um, stories that deal with directly with the tragedy itself, and then towards the back, um, it's more representational about you know the themes of love and uh, family mm-hmm. uh, and how people were brought together in the aftermath of the tragedy. Um, some of the things that I like the best, uh, Kevin Keller from Archie Comics, is featured in the book. As well as uh, this really lovely page um, of the Harry Potter characters, uh, I think a couple of months ago um, uh, there was uh, they they released a preview image uh, of this this piece of art, uh, bec- and it was a big deal because J.K. Rowling and Warner Brothers released you know the character licenses for this you know particular. Uh, special anthology so that's really nice uh lots of really wonderful poignant emotional funny sweet romantic um lots of uh terrific stuff Mm -hmm. uh in this book i haven't sat down and read it you know cover to cover just yet uh i have flipped through and uh read some of them uh it's an emotional experience but a rewarding
1: one is what i would say as a whole uh Yeah. Your thoughts? I've read uh, a few. I sat down and and paged through. I at least looked at everything. Uh, It is quite emotional. It's hard not to get emotional reading it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Kevin Keller is actually in there twice. Uh, He's in there. The the, the page that Will showed, if you're on the video feed, is more of his more current life with Kevin Mm -hmm. uh, books. But there's also one where he's with the Riverdale gang more back in high school. And taking a look at it from that perspective, which was quite poignant. They got a couple pages for that. Uh, there's one re- in the upfront part of the book, which is uh, Batman actually at the club in the aftermath, which is extremely moving. Um, so, yeah, we will have it uh, in the show notes. You can get it on paperback from Amazon. Mm-hmm. Uh, although, as we record this, it is now back ordered. Uh, they've apparently run out of their first shipment. But it's also available uh, ebook uh, for Kindle and for the Comicology app. Mm-hmm. So we'll link to that in the show notes from there. Now, you've also, well, you you mentioned that. You're pointing at the script. Um, the proceeds, as Will mentioned, goes to Equality Florida as part of the fund that they'll distribute specifically for victims, survivors, and families of the Pulse shooting.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So, Love is Love, check it out. I think it's a really great book. Yes, absolutely. Well worth
0: getting. Now, you also have discovered a new comic, AJ Um, and Magnus. Yeah, so, in one of those just weird things where you're just, you know, flipping through the internet, wasting time, I stumbled across (laughs) this, well, I did. Anyway, um, I, I don't know how or why I discovered this uh, super-duper adorable comic called AJ and Magnus. And essentially, it's a story of a little boy and his giant Mastiff dog and uh, their adventures along with uh, his two dads and their wacky extended family. Um, it's the most adorable thing ever. Um, <laughs> uh, I love the uh, few strips that I have seen so far. Uh, I'm following them on social media. And uh, they've also released two um collections so far volume two uh came out i believe just before christmas um it's called aj and magnus and it's by brian and simon Steele, a couple who draws on their own uh experience uh from their family and their extended family and put it into the work uh so i highly recommend it i think it's super funny super cute uh aj and magnus check it
1: out awesome so, moving away from comics and back into real life, real life, real yeah. life, yeah. Uh, I had the opportunity recently to sit down with Richard Thompson Sater. Oh, this is him. Oh, this isn't boring at all. This is good. Well, no, it's not boring. <laughs> Why would it, we don't do boring on this show? Uh, well, you were like
0: real life, and I'm like, uh, oh, this is good real
1: life. <laughs> it's good real life. <laughs> Silly man. <laughs> uh, I got to sit down with Richard Thompson Sater uh, a couple weeks ago and talk to him about his debut novel, Rank. Now, we've talked about Rank a couple times on the show because we first discovered it back when we were at uh, Gay Romance Northwest in September of last year, mm-hmm. and we heard him read from it. And it actually ended up in my top five uh, of the books that I read last year because yeah. it's really good, and you you still need to read it. Uh, it yes. Yes. Uh, but I got the opportunity to sit down and talk to him, and so here is that interview. I'm happy to welcome Richard Thompson Sater to the podcast. Richard received a master's degree in creative writing from Purdue University in 1989, the same year he took an Air Force commission. He spent most of his military career as a photojournalist and public affairs officer under the Donast Hotel Directive that kept gay service members in the closet. He retired after 24 years of active duty and reserve service, having attained the rank of lieutenant colonel, along with a number of accolades in the process. During preparation for his deployment to Afghanistan in 2003, he started working on a short story about a young Air Force lieutenant who falls inconveniently in love with his boss, a brigadier general. That story grew to 400-plus pages, and a dozen years later, under the title of Rank, it became his first novel, which was released this past November. Richard, welcome so much to the show.
2: Thank you, Jeff. I'm pleased to be here.
1: Uh, I fell in love with Rank hearing you read at, uh, Gay Romance Northwest back in September. Uh, the chapter you read, uh, where, uh, Harris and the, uh, I guess general at this point, uh, was, uh, and they were at this dance, uh, that they were, that the general had to attend and eventually he dances with Harris, uh, as part of that. It just really blew me away. Um, how how well that scene was set, and then I was surprised when I read the book that it's actually a good ways into the book at that, and it wasn't like one of the first yes. chapters. Uh, and for the audience, if if you haven't caught my review of Rank, they could go back to episode sixty one for that, uh, where I kind of had my raving moment <laughs> about it. So. Tell us about Rank, uh, beyond the simple logline of Air Force Lieutenant Falls for his boss a
2: general. I had the idea of writing a story in uh, like this in 2003, and uh, as you mentioned, I, I, I really hadn't thought about writing a, lo- a novel for the longest time. I, I really felt that my forte was the short story, and uh, I, I wondered if I would be able to sustain the narrative over the course of a novel, and I never really had seriously attempted it. Um, but I started writing Rank, and I had a free weekend, and uh, I had an idea of a story about a lieutenant who falls in love with a general. And uh, for a variety of reasons, that's not something that a, a lieutenant would would choose to do, and uh, uh, not something a, a general would choose for for uh, a number of reasons. And I. The more I wrote, the more I thought of to write, and and within the space, a weekend, I had, I think, almost 50 pages that I wrote. Just, I, I concentrated time and nothing else to do, and, and the inspiration. And so I just, I started writing. And uh, uh, while I was deployed to Afghanistan, I had, I worked long days. Uh, I was assigned to, uh, to the army, uh, at that time, even though I'm I'm uh, Air Force, and I, I needed something to do at the end of the day. We were working 12 to 14 hours a day, every day, and uh, I'd get back to my room about eight or nine at night, and I needed something to kind of decompress a little bit, and I found that working on my novel in its sort of fictitious world and, and characters that I liked uh, gave me the the break that I needed and and uh, I would make sure that I had a little bit of time every night to to write and get lost in that other world and uh, uh, at The end of my deployment uh, I got writing and and uh, the the manuscript ended up to be uh, well over 400 pages and it was a little bit unwieldy and and uh, uh, over over time I uh, once I felt that I had, had had told the whole story, then I started to edit it and and, and that took quite a few years as well. Um, just because I had gotten into the habit of I, I hadn't written it in chronological order. I just I would write for a while and if I got stuck on something rather than try and figure my way through it, I would just start writing someplace else. And I had the general frame of the story in mind and certain incidents like the dance, for example, or the kite flying scene or um, uh, Harris taking the general home to meet his mother and father. Uh, Harris and the general having an argument uh, after visiting a gay bar. Uh, I had these different scenes in mind, and so I I could just go to one of them and, and, and write one of those scenes. And then I had to sort of piece them together in a logical order and, and put in the continuity for them as well. And uh, when, when I first wrote the novel, of course, Don't Ask, Don't Tell was in full effect, in full flower. And uh, it was still uh, kind of the kiss of death in the military to be uh, to be gay, openly gay. You couldn't. Uh, and uh, a number of, of people ended their careers when, uh, when they either chose to tell or were outed. And uh, so uh, the, the first draft of Rank was a very different novel because it was about a closeted lieutenant who fell in love with a general who was also deeply closeted. And at the end of the novel, they were still in the closet because they had to be. And then when Don't Ask, Don't Tell was repealed in, in 2011, all of a sudden I had uh, had a a book on my hands that that was no longer particularly relevant, except maybe as a historical document, and that's probably the last thing you want for a a new novel is to be last year. And so I really kind of had to start from scratch and rethink the whole storyline. What if Harris is openly gay right from the beginning and, and proud to be out proud to be serving as as an out-airman in the Air Force. And what if he fell in love with the general and then found out that the general, too, was gay, but that the general was unwilling to come out? There, so that became the new story.
1: Were there other things that changed just with time passing from your first draft as a dozen years passed that you decided to change beyond the, the DAT? D A D T
2: repeal, repeal. Yes, there were actually, and with the new version of Rank, I had to, or I, I, it gave me the opportunity, I should say, to to create some new characters. Uh, I created the character of Mark Sinclair, who was a fellow um, uh, gay. Airman uh, retired at the time when when Harris meets him. He's a budget officer for the unit that Harris is, uh, belongs to, and uh, I, I put him in. Uh, I, I kind of created him and his partner as mentors for for Harris to to kind of act run interference in a way to for for Mark to to try to to show Harris. the the good sense of having situational awareness about uh, that that there's of course you don't have to be in the closet but sometimes you need to be judicious about pointing out to everyone that you are gay because it's not always the most relevant thing uh, for for the job that you're doing. And so I had the opportunity to create some new characters and then put scenes throughout the novel where those characters are uh, important. Um, I also found during the writing and editing process that there were some things I had to let go of, some some scenes that just seemed, uh, working with my editor, uh, that, that, that seemed maybe uh, that my editor thought were extraneous. It just made the novel a little too long without really adding anything in particular to the momentum. And uh, for a writer, it's hard to do. Mm-hmm. I slaved hard over that chapter. I don't want to delete it, but uh, um, I, I, my editor Jerry Wheeler uh, was wonderful to work with and, and very patient and, and I, I trusted him implicitly and, and he, he had good instincts and, and I really believe that, that uh, working with him made Rank a stronger book. The One, one part of the story that I regretted most cutting was that, that there was a, uh, not a subplot, but a flashback of uh, Harris's first long-term relationship, which had occurred when he was in college with an older professor. And I felt that that was important to show that Harris, uh, the fact that Harris fell for a general, was quite a bit older than he was, was not uh, something out of the ordinary for Harris that, that from the time he was younger that he, uh, he, he most appreciated older men as partners. And I thought that that was important, but uh, uh, others suggested that that, that, that that flashback kind of slowed down the momentum of the, of the story. And so uh, regretfully, that, that had to go. So it's, it's mentioned a time or two that Harris had a, had a relationship with a professor, but not, not in any detail.
1: Do you think you found your voice for the longer narrative now? Because to me, reading this as, as a debut novel and then knowing that you weren't sure you could sustain the narrative because you'd been writing short stories and your degrees are really in short stories, uh, kind of. do you think you finally found it? Because I kind of think you did. And, you know, is that something you're going to be able to just carry forward now into future work?
2: I think I did. I, I was very confident. By the time I finished Rank, I was I was I was satisfied with it, and, and I felt you know this is this is a good good story, and and I liked the, the the freedom and the flexibility that I found to write a long story and 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 stretch it out and see where it goes and and where can I take these characters and and uh, I have. I have two other novels that uh, one's almost done, one is about um, maybe about three quarters of the way done, and the other one I've outlined uh, uh, for yet a fourth. So I don't think I'll have any trouble sustaining the the, the, the longer narrative um, with with future works. Um, I. I enjoy the, the, the long format. I love the short story as well, but, but uh, the long format is fun.
1: And, and you certainly give the characters a lot to deal with in the long format. There's the Generals in the Closet, mm-hmm. which we mentioned. Uh, there's a May-December romance in play here, uh, which certainly Harris's parents seem to take a little exception to. Uh, mm-hmm. And then there's the, the military regulations that are still in play with the lieutenant and the general not really supposed to be coming together because of their rank differential. Mm-hmm. Uh, was there concern about putting all these balls kind of into play in one story?
2: I think for the characters, for the, for the lieutenant and the general, I didn't really have any choice but, but to bring in all those those aspects of the story because I think if I didn't, uh, the, the readers would have wondered why not? And and um, their lives are complicated and messy, but I think life is complicated and messy. And, and uh, um, as a gay airman myself, um, I I did not. I was very cautious about pursuing relationships, certainly with with uh, with other people in the military, because there's always the threat of being discovered, and and the the fear that, that, that you don't you can't be totally honest with other people until you know them well enough to to um, um, to be open with them and 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 they have the, the, the same fears and so it it makes it difficult to trust um, if you're concerned about your career and and so it 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 was it was a challenge for me because I'm a lot more inclined to want to come out and be out than to stay in the closet. And so I don't know that the military was the best fit for me, but I, I kind of made it fit and, and did well while I was in there. But I suspect, without being able to prove it, that there probably were uh, people who, who suspected uh, that, that, that I was gay and, and that in, in certain instances – Promotion boards and other considerations that, that I may have paid the price for that. But again, I don't I don't have any proof of that Just just a suspicion but uh, uh, I guess to to wind my way back to your question <laughs> I think all of the different aspects I, you know Harris had to have a family. He had to have friends he had to have, uh, As as a lieutenant in the Air Force. He's a junior officer. You have a lot of pressure as a junior officer uh, regulations are constantly being sort of thrown at you, as if you're you're too ignorant to, to know. But here, let me school you. You need to be able to do this, and you have to do that, and you have to do it this way. You can't do it the, that way, and 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 this is the tradition, and you can't you can't buck that tradition. And and the general has his own set of of rules that, that he's working with as well and, and his own family and and, and I, it all needed to go into the pot, I think. There's a
1: great scene while they're visiting Harris's parents where the parents, you know, kinda drill on the general a little bit, well, can you do this? Can you do that? Do you know how to do this? Do you <laughs> know how to book a flight? You know, kind of things I'm like I have people to do that for me.
2: Yeah. <laughs> And I think the higher the rank you, you go, I mean, I, I remember as a new lieutenant, the, the, uh, the kind of uh, uh, jobs that, uh, that I was given were, were um, pretty basic. And uh, I was fortunate that I had three years enlisted time before I was commissioned. So I had already had some inkling about, about the service. I wasn't a brand new lieutenant, uh, just fresh off the street. And, and so I already had three years of military experience and, and some idea of, of what I was in for, but, and as does Harris, uh, Harris was prior enlisted when he is commissioned. And so he, uh, he has practical experience. Uh, the general was never prior enlisted. He, he, was, he went to the Air Force Academy and was commissioned right from From the academy as a pilot which again in the air force is one step below being a god and so here he's not only a general but he's also a pilot and a commander so he's he's sort of got the the triple threat and and harris has kind of come up from 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 the bottom and and he's he's had to learn how to kind of scratch his way through and 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 do things on his own he's held jobs that have outside the military he's he's gone to school and and worked for a living and and owned his own home and and had to do things like like uh, uh, unclog a, a toilet and 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 change an air filter in his car um, because it would never have occurred to him that he could pay somebody else to do those things when he could do them himself but the general uh, I, I think by by virtue of his position and and the way he achieved it he he didn't have the time to be bothered with those things. He had more important things to do as an officer and, and, and as a commander and as a pilot. And if, if he could farm out some of that other stuff and not worry about it himself, then he did. And it's just a different track that he, that he followed. And so Harris has practical experience in life that the general, in spite of his, his age and his, and his rank, the general doesn't have a lot of that same practical experience.
1: One of the truly endearing parts of the book are the nicknames. The general, initially the nicknames aren't great for Harris because it's because he's in trouble, or it would seem that he's in trouble with the general. But then they become terms of endearment as well, kind of down the line. And you were on the Hopeless Romantics uh, podcast and mentioned that you'd even gone so far as to make sure that he never used the same one twice. Uh-huh. which I thought was pretty awesome. Um, <laughs> how did you develop that as like a thing for the book that the general was going to just dole out all these nicknames? And do you know a count of how many that there are for him in the book? Uh,
2: I don't know how many there are. I never stops to count. Uh, but I, I, I do remember when I was, when I was proofreading the book, using the search and find feature on my word processing program to make sure that I hadn't repeated myself. <laughs> because I, did I use Foxtrot someplace else? I better check. And so any that sounded like maybe I had used some before, I checked to make sure that I had not. As to how I came up with that as a, as a character trait for the general, I don't remember. It just, I think it just seemed to me something that would be quirky and something that, someone again with his rank, he could get away with it, and and it's the kind of thing that he was doing. and uh, as Harris, until he figured out what the general was doing, and that when he would holler for you know, lawn chair or, or sawhorse or something like that, that, that he was summoning Harris, until Harris figured figured that out he got into trouble a few times for not answering when he was called and i can't really remember how it it, it came to me to to do that i I, I never knew anyone who did that myself i I, I never knew a person who used that as a i don't know as a gimmick or anything like that but it just um it just seemed to suit the character of the general that, that that he would he would do something like that
1: it painted him so perfect to me. Uh, and it just kept going and it added nuances to him. He came up with the new nicknames, both to use in the office and to use when they were just together.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, now, Harris, and I'm not going to give away what it is, ultimately settles on one nickname for the general. Mm-hmm. Was it hard to find that one nickname? Because To me, it was just in the book, it's such a perfect moment when he finally gives the general... His nickname, and it's the only one he mm-hmm. ever used for him.
2: Uh, I have uh, uh, a friend of mine who is, is now deceased. He, he died of cancer. Uh, who called me traveler, and it was just something between us. And then, and and I, my recollection, because it was a long time ago that he started to do it, was that. That he was impressed with all the places that I had, where I had traveled, and that it was just I think he was looking for kind of something endearing and 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 settled on that and and I just I liked it and I knew it was just something that that, that he and I shared and and uh, um, uh, it just it just seemed ideal for uh, uh, to borrow that for the general uh, traveler is also the name of. Uh, Robert E. Lee's horse, uh, Lee, the Civil War general, and and it just it's a great word, and it's it's a long word, uh, three syllables, and you it, it it's like traveling when you say it to me. It's 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 you can't say it quickly. You've got to take the time to, to say all three syllables, and it, it's just it makes you slow down a little bit. And I liked that.
1: Yeah, as opposed to what well, I believe you said were all two syllable nicknames general
2: use. The generals' nicknames for Harris are, are two syllables, usually with a hard consonant. Something that that, that, that could be could be uh, uh, announced with a certain amount of force and and uh, uh, I don't know, foxtrot, or uh, is is a good nickname, but pineapple is not. For example, you know, there's, there's a certain certain words that. that, that, that uh, that yes that would work would not and and it's it's just i don't know that they had to be words even though they aren't gender specific words they had to be things to me that sounded like they would be masculine. the
1: general's mustache is also kind of a a character in this book (laughs) in the intimate scenes um was that always there from the beginning or did that just kind of work its way in over time because it's such a Distinct physical trait that as as especially a trigger for Harris as part of his attraction.
2: Uh, it was there right from the beginning. Uh, when I first envisioned the story, um, I had I had one person in mind that I thought if if I could ever make rank into a movie, that that Sam Elliott would be the general. And so my sort of when I'm when I'm imagining. When I was writing and, and picturing the, the the scenes in my head as I was writing them, it was always Sam Elliott it was always General O'Neill and and uh, uh, of course Sam Elliott's mustache and his deep voice. Uh, I kind of co-opted those for the general and the, the dark hair and and the, the build and everything. Quite you know that that sort of image. Uh, I have had a mustache myself. Uh, from almost my entire military career. Almost, almost as soon as I was commissioned, I, I, I grew a mustache and kept it. But it was, in, especially as a junior officer, it was a, it was a struggle sometimes because the, the Air Force and, and the rest of the military is very particular about, about what, it con, what it considers. Uh, an appropriate sized mustache and there is a regulation that spells uh, how it can be shaped and how much of your lip can be covered and and the angle that the sides are supposed to be and 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 whatnot. and uh, They really would prefer that, that you not have one at all but uh, that would be Taken aside and told that I needed to, I needed to trim my mustache in accordance with regulations, and so right from the start that was one thing I thought one of the first things that a general might do is sort of assert his uh, authority uh, by uh, flaunting the, the regulation about the size of a mustache, and to the point that it makes other people a little bit uncomfortable and. Uh, uh, in, in, at one point in in, uh, in rank, even the general's boss, who's a four-star general, tells him, "When are you going to get that that renegade mustache under control? You look like a bandit." But it's not an order for him to to you know take the scissors into the bathroom right now and trim that thing. And it just becomes something that that the general's known for. And and in the in the world of the novel, I. I I made it something that 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 his his peers are willing to accept. That it's just it's one thing about him that that that, um, that, that is one of his quirks.
1: To your knowledge,
2: I, I love your notion that it's almost a character. It
1: is <laughs> so often. That's
2: a that's a great notion.
1: Since because uh, so often you know Harris remarks that he notices what the general's mustache is doing is like the 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 forewarning of about what, of what's to come, good or bad.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, right.
1: well, I was going to ask you. You hinted at things that were, you know, three quarters done and and one being outlined. Do you have a timeline for what's next? And you can you give us a, a sneak peek on what those
2: might entail? The the one that's closest to being finished is uh, called Thirst. And it is a novel about a bartender who falls in love with an alcoholic, and the alcoholic is uh, a military veteran. But he was he was thrown out of the military for drinking. So there really isn't there's there's that military connection, but it really the story takes place quite a while after his military service. And it's mentioned a few times, but it doesn't really figure prominently in the story. Um, that's the closest to being done. I'm probably about, you know, I'm guessing about 80 to 90% complete on that one. And then uh, another one that I'm working on uh, called Scratch is another military story. And it's about about two, uh, To Air Force, well, an officer and an enlisted man who who uh, who begin a relationship, and and that's I'm having fun working on it, but it's it seems a little a little light after rank. It seems like it's a little more uh, maybe not quite so much at stake, but it's still fun to work on, and and I don't know. Uh, as I have the time, I'm, um, it's not finished yet. So it'll be interesting to see where it goes. Okay. am cool. also uh, for those. well, thank you. I'm, I'm enrolled at the university of Washington as a student right now for the first time in quite a while in the, the screenwriting program. And that's something that, that, uh, I've been a movie buff for most of my life and, uh, I thought, you know, I think Rank would make a great movie. Yeah. And I thought, I don't know the first thing about writing a movie script, but there's no better way to learn than to uh, go to school and uh, sort of the pressure of completing assignments and going to class every week. And, and uh, uh, our instructor promises that if we if we faithfully Carry out our, our, our duties as a student. That we will have a, a completed film script by the end of, of next semester. So um, I'm, I'm working on that, and and uh, uh, who knows that might that might. Um, I'm enjoying it tremendously, and uh, that might turn out to be uh, another career. Who knows? Hey,
1: Ed. Maybe rank turns into a movie that would be pretty cool what is the best way for people to keep up with you online so they can find out what comes next
2: I have a website uh, which is richardcompsonsater.com, and that I update that regularly I'm also I have a uh, an author page on Facebook if uh, anyone with a with a uh, Facebook account can search it's support public website so uh, you don't need to be you don't need to ask me to be a Facebook friend in order to, to access that that author site and I, I try to post regularly on on that as well uh, I'm on Twitter at RC underscore seder uh, I'm still kind of learning how to do um, to do that and and so I'm uh, I'm I'm on there from time to time, perhaps not as much as I, as I should be, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of growing into that. So, But the, the web page and the Facebook page probably are the best ways.
1: Okay, great. We'll link up to those in our show notes as well as uh, give people the buy link so they can pick up rank if they have not
2: done so yet. Thank you. Um, if, if I can let your readers know, it's, it's, it's available through uh, Amazon, barnesandnoble.com, other online booksellers. Uh, if you buy it through Bold Strokes Books, the publisher, uh, for the price of the paperback, you get the, the, uh, the e-book free oh, good through Bold that. Strokes Books. So you get two for the price of the paperback. If you order them through uh, Amazon or Barnes & Noble or other sites, uh, it's, a, it's a separate price for each. So uh, might uh, if you're looking and, and you, you, you might want one of each, then... Uh, you can go through the publisher, and, and uh, there's a link to the publisher. You can you can search Bold Strokes Books, or you can you can get a link from my website to the publisher's page.
1: And we'll link we'll link people to that as well. Uh, we always link to Amazon, and, but in this case, for that deal, uh, we'll also link up to Bold Strokes Books for that.
2: Great, thank you,
1: Richard. Thanks so much for being with us and talking about this book.
2: Well, it's my pleasure. Thank you, Jeff. Want to be among the first to know what's coming
0: up on the Big Gay Fiction Podcast? Join the Big Gay Fiction Podcast monthly newsletter. As a subscriber, you'll get our exclusive coloring pages that you can download and color. You can even send us your artistic creations, and we'll display them in our online gallery. Go to BigGayFictionPodcast.com and sign up on the homepage.
1: So I think that'll do it for this week's show.
0: Yes. Before we go, I hope everyone out there... Uh, is staying warm and bundled up,
1: um, or dry, depending on or, where you are. Well,
0: yeah, our our neck of the woods is kind of wet and soggy. Every while else, it's kind of really freezing and cold and wind, snowy, and everyone is digging out. So I hope you are well, and maybe you've gotten some good, you
1: know, reading time in front of the yeah, fire. End. It's certainly a good time to curl up with the cocoa and the and the fire and such. Yeah, yeah. So coming up next week on episode sixty seven, we've got Danny from Love Bites here. She's going to offer up. Some book recommendations that are made up of her best of 2016. That sounds
0: good. Yeah. So, everyone, keep warm, keep reading, and we will see you next week. Bye. For detailed show notes and the complete episode backlist, go to BigGayFictionPodcast.com. New episodes are available every Monday on all major podcast distributors and YouTube. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.